Good morning, everybody. We're going to have our Bible reading now, and we're going to start off in Mark 10, um, verses 32 to 45. They were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're now going to flip over to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans do, pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, caressing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's place in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Hi, everyone. Good to be with you. Uh, well, I'm just getting sorted. 
Uh, welcome if you're visiting and um, we're here for the first time. Just because it's our anniversary, don't think after the service you've got to run away because you're not welcome. You're definitely welcome to hang around and uh, have lunch with us as well. We'd love you to, uh, to stay around with us um, and all of you to stay around as we enjoy our service uh, together, hearing God's word and then having some fellowship a bit later on as well. We've been going for three years. Can you believe it? Yes, wow. Thank you, Corolla. We've been going for three years. It seems like it's flown by, but we uh, have got much to be thankful to God for. And I got up before we were going to do a video, didn't I, Naomi? That's all right. So now I'll introduce it. Thank you for adapting. Um, we've got much to thank God for, and we've got much to thank Him. And today's a great day because we can reflect on what should church be like? Not just our gathering now, but as a community of believers, what should it be like? Maybe it should be like this. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys, right? Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. Steamer, I thought, oh, it's too American. I showed it to Steamer and he was so excited. Key. It was so excited about, this is one of the most awkward introductions to a talk I've ever had, Jen. Thank you for that. That's my wife, everyone. <laughs> um, where were we? Me Church. I told, I showed this to Steve, I thought it's too American, and when they said tickets to the Super Bowl, I think he thought it was really, he went, yes, tickets to the Super Bowl, because he loves NFL. But the idea of that, that church is about us, that's an over-exaggeration, isn't it? Yes? Yeah, good, good. It's an over-exaggeration. But how do we think about how we do things together? Does that lurk behind the scenes? Or should we think very differently about how we gather as God's people? Over the last few weeks, if you've been coming, and if you haven't, let me kind of just uh, fill you in. We've been thinking about what our purposes are as a church. That is, what matters to us as a church? What, getting us all on the same page with the same language, what does the Bible say about the things that matter to us? And the way that we're doing it across all our Trinity churches in our network is to think about five purposes. And what I've tried to do over these weeks is help us see and capture them so that you can come on board and go, yeah, I agree, that's what God wants for me in God's community to be like. And we've had an image with each one. Can anyone remember any of the pictures for any of the four that we've had before, before they come up? Sorry? I can't quite hear you, sorry. Crown, yes, crown. Thank you, Ruth. Sorry, I'm feeling a bit echoey today. Um, 
there was a crown, and the crown was because everything is about God's mission of God's kingdom, and he's the king. There's the crown. Anyone any, remember anything else? A magnifying glass, because we do all for the glory of God, and so we magnify his glory. We put a magnifying glass on God's glory, we put a spotlight on God's glory. That, that Everything has to fit under God's glory. We do nothing outside of it. What else was there a picture of? A body of the church, excellent. There's a weird picture of a body of a church where little people making up one person with a head that's Jesus as well. That was, that was because we're a community, membership, belonging together. We're a body. And there's one that's the last one that we've forgotten. A little concerning that this is the one you've forgotten. I'll give you a... Sorry? The Bible, thank you Lorraine. The Bible and prayer, maturity. We can only grow in Christ's likeness through God's word and prayer. Nothing that we know about God and revelation of him can be discovered without coming to his word and seeing Jesus. We need to see Jesus and God has not left us in the dark and he has not left us out of relationship. He has given us his revelation that we can hear from him and he wants us to relate to him, that we can talk to him. It's a two-way relationship that God wants us to have with him where he reveals himself through Jesus and all his word to us. This is a beautiful picture. So we have those four things up there and we've got our last one today. As we put them all together, we have ministry. And I think, what image can I have for ministry? We've got that person there, the one head, one boy that we did last week and we did with membership. And I thought, you know what? It actually, they kind of go so closely together. I want to keep that there for membership and ministry. You see, as God's people, we are made up of a whole bunch of little people are one body. That is us. And so when we think about ministry, we're thinking about it this way as well, as well as when we're just talking about being part of the community and the pastoral care and welcoming people in. This imagery, I think, really works well for us. It's not me, church. I want this. You want that. They're two totally separate things. No, it's the body working together for each other. And so we're going to see that today. We're going to wrestle with that. We're going to reflect on that. You see, I think what we want to see, and we'll see God's Word shows us that ministry equals service. That's what he, We could say service is our purpose. We just got the, the M thing going. But service is the idea. We serve one another. It's not about you. I don't know where you all are with God and you're wondering um, uh, whether this Jesus thing is worth it. I hope you see today that the way God wants us to see life is that it starts with not you worrying about yourself, but you relating to, you seeing what God's done for you and then you seeing how it relates to others. Ministry equals service. And so where do you start then to think this through? Well, I think we start with God. That makes sense, doesn't it? And we can start with a verse that's very familiar to us, but it's a verse that really we should have memorised no, back to front, inside out. Because it takes us to the very thing that saves us and throws us into then how we process, how we live in a community. The centrepiece of Mark's Gospel where Jesus declares what he's come to do and the mindset in which he does it. 
We had it read to us helpfully by Gabby and we see, saw that in the context there he says to them what he's come to do in Mark 10:45 up on the screen, even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The son of man, that's the title, the phrase uh, that Jesus uses for himself more than any other title and it comes with authority. When he's saying he's the Son of Man, he's saying he's the one with all authority and he says that at the point where he says he's going to do something that's got nothing to do with authority. He's going to serve. We'll see that Son of Man imagery come to life when we do Daniel in term two. The Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, the way that God relates to us is He serves us. Spend a moment right this second and see if you can reflect on who has served you the greatest in your life. It may be one particular act and moment or it may be someone who's just done many great things in your life. Who who is it? This is a rhetorical question, you don't need to yell it out. Who Who is that person for you? Who are those people? I reckon it's an overstatement, it's an understatement to say they haven't done a very good job compared to this, even though they have been brilliant. Because Jesus' service of you was to see your place, to see how in need you are of someone to pay your debt, your rebellion uh, to him, even if that's just ignoring him and getting on with life and him serving to the point of death in your place. That is how Jesus sees service. He came to be a servant. The whole Old Testament book of Isaiah, in that second, there's a whole section in, in from Isaiah 40, the suffering servant songs, this amazing servant who is going to suffer, is the example of how you, um, how, how you serve and it's alluding to, the, to Jesus who is the Messiah who gives his life as a ransom for many. Jesus took your place so that you can have life with him. If you didn't know that today, that's the one thing I'd love you to take away. That Jesus, his attitude of, it's not about me, is giving you the offer of life with him forever. That's what it is. It's sacrificial. It pays a debt. And it shapes the Christian community's mindset into how we relate to each other. You see, God wants you to see how you're to relate to each other and how you relate to him by how he relates to us, but even more than that, how he even relates to himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see this moment just before Jesus offers his life as a ransom for many, and what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane? If you're not aware of the context, Jesus goes away to pray. He goes away to pray. He sends his disciples away to watch, uh, to watch and they fall asleep because they couldn't keep alert. And, and he goes to pray to his Father. 
knowing the extent of what he's about to face. All of his father's wrath for all of the world's rebellion against him, he's going to take it on himself and he knows this. And he prays in great anguish and in great despair with the full understanding of the weight that he's about to, he's about to take on board. And what does he pray? Luke 22, verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. The cup isn't just a really awful drink. It's an Old Testament allusion to God's wrath. I mean, Jeremiah points to that. We don't have time to, to, to see that context today. But he's saying, but if you're willing, take all of your righteous, just anger from me. But that's not the end of his prayer. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Can you see there that even God in himself is a perfect example of service? Sometimes people ask, well, why do we worry about the Trinity? Why can't we just say God's God, Jesus is God, it's all good? One of the most important things we see in about understanding that we have one God and three persons is that our God is a relational God, that he relates and his relationship with himself is beautifully sacrificial and other person-centered, even within himself without us. Yet, not my will. I, and it makes sense that he's thinking, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Jesus comes as flesh, does not deserve any wrath, and he knows what he's about to face. But he knows his father's bigger picture. He knows he's come to do this very task. And so instead of asking his father to call down angels and rescue him, he says, I will go, because I know that's what you've always wanted. The more and more we sit under that and embrace that, the healthier, the stronger, the more we grow as a church community, the better we serve each other. If we see that Jesus himself shapes our service mindset and none of it is about yourself. I've really enjoyed this series and looking at these five purposes, but I am kind of busting to get back into looking at a book of the Bible and to just get into going through passages after passages. And we're going to start next week in a series in Romans uh, chapter 1 to 4. I'm calling it the Gospel of Jesus. And I'm looking forward to it, partly because we will look in depth in these first four chapters how the Gospel of Good News, we'll see how good it is and how we'll see in more detail what this service of Jesus has done by giving us righteousness. We'll look at it and see how sacrificial it is and how in desperate need we are of it. The more we understand that we're not as good as we think, the greater Jesus looks to us and the more we can be transformed into his likeness. I'm very much looking forward to getting into that next week as a, as a way to follow on from our our purpose series. But why now 
if Jesus and God himself is service-minded, this other person-centered minded attitude, that's good, that's what God's like, but why should that be our purpose? Well, three things, you can see them up on the screen there. We're going to see how God's word shapes us in that direction. We, this is a purpose that we have because it's what we've already seen over these few weeks. And when we talked about maturity and growing in Christ-likeness, and we'll get to that in a moment, we see that it's not that God's other person-centred, but that we should be that way as well because of him, and it's how we grow best together. It makes sense, and hopefully you already see that, and you know that, and you understand that. But we're building on what we've already discovered, because what we've already discovered is our mindset should be like Jesus's. And his was one of service. We saw that in Philippians in our maturity week, but in, in the reading we had today in 1 Peter chapter 4, and in your outlines it said Ephesians 4, that's because we did Ephesians 4 last week in membership and because they cross over so much, which is perfectly fine. So I thought we'd just look at 1 Peter 4 today instead. And in 1 Peter 4, we see right up front, therefore since, on the next screen, thanks, Naomi. I think it's up there. Yep, therefore since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. We arm ourselves with the attitude of Jesus. We saw it's humility. You can't have an attitude of humility and not have a heart for serving. They just don't work together, do they? Would you say that people consider you a type of person who loves to serve others? Or one who finds that extraordinarily difficult. You see, we serve and we serve with a particular characteristic. A characteristic which is the only reason why Jesus went to the cross. Look at 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8. See on the, on the screen. As he goes on in his argument, he says, the end of all things is near, saying, eternity is around the corner. Therefore, be alert and sober, sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I challenge anyone to say, I can love without serving. What do you end up with? Well, you could take a lust love approach, but that's not real love. That's just an, just expressing a feeling that doesn't go into how you do action for love. You could, you could say, I tell you I love you and that therefore I love you, but is that just all we want? Or is love something that acts? This is how we know what love is. Jesus gave his life for us. The example of Jesus is of love and that of, is of service. And so when we serve each other, when we muck it up, there was a few things that happened this morning. There was a few things that happened in a certain household that ends in M's and begins with S. And in that household, there may have been a husband who was not very thoughtful and who wasn't thinking servant-hearted on the day that he was preaching on servant-heartedness. He got rebuked before he even preached this morning in himself. But love, when you come with apology, when you come with uh, 
asking of forgiveness, seeking to right the wrong, seeking to go, you know what, I will serve and hopefully um, the body will continue to serve each other, it covers a multitude of sins. This is not a sinless community. This is not a community that's anywhere near the other side of heaven. What we need to be is a grace-filled, sacrificial, servant-hearted, other person-centred community. And when someone drives you up the wall, as I do to you sometimes, that was nice that you all didn't laugh and nod like that then, that was really good, thanks, thanks for that. Um, no, but we all do that to each other is the point, because that's just people. <laughs> we have this approach and we are so different to the world. Do you want to get to know people around you and serve them? Do you want to, to see others be part of our community and serve them as they come? That's what we're seeing in 1 Peter, I think. That's what we're seeing. in. You can open up many parts of the Bible and you will see God's people when it talks about how we're to live. It's just reflecting what Jesus has done for us and we are responding to that. Not earning our salvation, that would undo everything we've already talked about, wouldn't it? But in response, transforming our hearts and minds, going beyond, that none of us stay stagnant. If you are in your 80s, you don't think, well, I've, I've got enough godliness in my track record, I can stop. Or you're young and you think that you've got all these opportunities to do things and so you know what you're doing and so you don't need others to tell you what to do even though they've got lots of experience and they've been there and done that 50 times around and around again but you just want to do it. You're right. We live in a community together and it doesn't matter whether we're old, whether we're young, whether we're somewhere in the middle, whether we're kids... We all should be seeking to grow and to serve. And so he goes on to say in verse 9, like we saw last week with membership, it says, starts off with a bit of membership action, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's hard not to grumble. I reckon I'm a grumbler sometimes. It's hard, isn't it? But we're not to grumble. We're not to be, I don't know, rude in the way we speak, to gossip, to be aggressive in our tone. There's all sorts of ways we could talk about it that we know instead we're to be hospitable. But then he says in verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Here's the thing. I reckon so often... We jump to that verse and we say, each of us should use whatever gift you have received. Oh, I've got a gift and I've got to use it. So I'm going to come to the church. I have this gift. So here we are. I've got it. Can I please serve? Whereas this passage says, each of you should use whatever gift you, you have received to serve others. So just because you've got a gift, you use it in the framework of serving. And so there are different ways in which that gift may be used and it may not be used all the time. And it may be um, that sometimes you need to be pushed to go, yeah, actually, I should get up and serve. And sometimes, you know what? No, I don't need to use the gift that I have. I could just help with logistics or I could just help in in any other way that is possible because there are many things we do in a community to serve each other that you don't need a PhD for. Everything, actually. But, um, did you get the point? 
that we don't need to be an expert. And what we actually find out is sometimes when we have a servant-hearted mindset and we have someone help us figure it out, that we start to do things that we never imagined we could possibly do, that we can start to help people develop things. When I was 20, I hated being the centre of attention, I would never speak in front of anyone and I did not want to in any way be a leader. That didn't plan out very well. You see, the point is, you, you don't know what God's got in store for you and you use your gifts for others, not, I've got a gift so I must use it. I was once charged, this was in Sydney, but I was once told by someone I was a godless leader because I wouldn't let them serve in the music team because they were gifted in music. That's an extreme example but it was because they had a gift and I'm denying them a gift and it says they should use the gift so I'm being ungodly and not letting them use it. it was, that mindset was the, just resolved my mind that they shouldn't actually because we do it out of love for serving others. It goes on in verse 11, if anyone speaks they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Ready? The blue there, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. The strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So we come full circle. We started with our series and purposes on everything is for glorifying God. So when we travel all the way through and we get to the things, the nitty-gritty of how we serve each other and getting all doing that, it's not even about each other. It's about the glory of God. We do it in God's strength for His sake. We do all things for Him. That is the mindset that God wants you to have. Is that your mindset? We've summed it up um, uh, in Trinity as ministry is this. You see it on the screen there. God has called and equipped his church to serve him. We've seen that. Jesus gives all Christians a place in the life of the church and has prepared good works for us to do. He, no one just can think, oh, I'm not really that important. If you come... To Grove, you are more than welcome. Even if you're visiting once, you're more than welcome. If you decide to make this your home, you're just as valuable as anyone else. That is vitally important for us all to grab hold of and believe. Just because some may be on the leadership team, some may be on the ministry team, some may be doing things that you're not doing, they're just the body working. You all have a part to play. And we serve for the good of others as we reflect Jesus' loving, sacrificial service of us. That's why we started with God, because he has given us the model. And so our hope, our purpose, is to see God's people here. Joyfully, not grumbling, joyfully and sacrificially serving to build up the body of Christ. Can you get on board with that? Is that what you would love to see happen? 
Now, you, I am not 100% not saying that because it's not. We're here three years later for the very reason that it has. And it brings me great joy and delight that many of you have come and want to play your part in it. Many have come and been here for a season and for a while and have moved on uh, to other churches, gone interstate and all other things, and we thank God for them. And we look forward to and pray and, thank for, and look forward to God bringing other people and God willing many people who don't even know him to come to know him in our community. So I'm going to wrap up in light of all this and I really just hope today that you take that principle on board. If you're not sure where you are with God, the principle I'd love you to take on board is that Jesus has served me first by giving me life. He's done it all. And do you believe that? That changes your life. But that we all take on board that I need to just ooze that self-sacrificial, other person-centred mindset. So after a week of reflection, I've come up with five principles. The first one is, start with the right mindset, other person-centeredness, OPC. I know, I know, many of you regulars know, you're sick of me saying OPC, other person-centeredness, but I know I annoy you with it, but I'm okay with annoying me. If I'm going to annoy you with anything, I'd rather it be that. Because it's what I'm convinced we see in God's Word is how God has... is liking himself and it's how he's treated us. We've got to start there. Secondly, we serve with your church. So if you open up your booklets, you'll see we have leaders who are overseeing each of our purposes to help us not just say we've got purposes, but to shape our church life around them. That makes a lot of sense, I reckon. To serve the communities, you work with them. That you don't fight up against what we're going as a church. And if you can't get on board with the way we're talking about it and the way those principles, brothers and sisters, that's okay. If you think it's, it's okay to think, you know what, I can't get on board with that and there's other great churches that you can go and do that for. Now, I'm not telling anyone to go to another church, but I'm trying to say, you know what I'm saying? It's okay, but when you get on board with the church, you get on board with it. It makes sense. You don't fight up against the current. Yeah, 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 this is what you're saying, but I think we should say it another way, and I think we should do this, and so you're constantly pushing in another direction. And so we've got our, uh, our, our M leaders that you've meet, met each week, and at the end I'll um, interview Steamer just to make sure he, he knows what he's doing, and we can all know that he's doing what he's doing, if that's all right. Um, But we also have a a leadership team, a leadership team that oversees the governance of our church. We've got wisdom and godliness, we've signed our hire agreement, Tim, not a lease agreement, our hire agreement. They've cared for, since our beginning and beforehand, have carefully looked after where we're going with our finances and managing, you know, all the issues that take in overseeing the management of a church, we have been blessed with many people who have served us on that. Um, of course, Sue's not here today because uh, she has to work. Um, I, I was going to get them all up, but because she's not here, I might get them all up next week. 
when they're all here. And so you can see who the leadership team is as well, if you don't know already. But um, Sue Afri, Damien Arroy, um, Andrew March, and Tim Adams, and myself are the current leadership team who oversee church. You should be wanting to get alongside them and pray for them, encourage them as they manage big things. Just like we pray for those who are getting on with the focusing on the specific ministry uh, tasks as well. Can I encourage you in that? Thirdly, the last few are quick points I just want to allude to. Thirdly, wholeheartedness. One of the things I found in 10 years of ministry and even in my own life, you can have wholeheartedness in the way you serve or you can just dial it in. That is, I can get away with this level so I'll do this. We've been, told, we've been asked to do this, but I'll go at this level because that'll still be all right. I don't think that's the mindset that Jesus had when he went to the cross. I think he went wholehearted, I'm pretty sure. And that's, I think, how we should think about it. Fourthly, I think this is important and sometimes forgotten in thinking about ministry, particularly for those who have that nature of being the martyr a little bit. We are not Jesus. We don't do all and or other person-centered sacrifice doesn't mean I need to do everything for everyone. You don't serve the body by dying and rising again. You can't do that. I think the principle here is the one I've mentioned before. I'm sure I have. There's a picture on the screen. You've been on a plane? What do they always tell you to do first? Put on your mask. Not because you're being selfish and you don't care about the kids because you can't care about the kids unless you've got, some, you've got the oxygen on yourself first. You need to actually do it with wisdom in how we serve each other. You don't play the martyr. You let people serve you. There's many of you that really struggle with that, I know. That you're willing to serve, but you struggle to let others serve you. Serving is also not an excuse for control freaks to hide behind being a control freak by just doing lots of stuff because if I do it, I'm serving. looks like I'm serving, but what I'm actually doing is I'm controlling the situation. I, that's another rebuke of myself as well, so just so you know. That's, I think probably most pastors have that issue on one level, but many of us, we should confront that in ourselves, shouldn't we? And then lastly, before I wrap up, I think it's really wise for us to remember we still have a great capacity to serve with an it's all about me attitude. I'd even go one step further and say, you will, even those of you who are most servant-hearted, at times still make it about you. Because we're this side of heaven, we're not perfect and we need to own that. Even when most of what we... We're so confusing sometimes, us humans, that we serve in a loving, sacrificial way and we do it with generosity and heart and spirit and while at the same time we know the very same act we're doing in some kind of bitterness and we do both at the same time. We just come back to God and remember Jesus. We own it. We ask Him to transform us. You see, we are not a me church. We don't want tickets to the game. We want to build up the body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much 
that you, in your great wisdom and plan, in creating your people in Jesus as one body, have given us each other. We thank you that we can celebrate what you have done for us so graciously and abundantly over the last three years today. And as we do that, we don't pat ourselves on the back and see how great we are, but that we give you praise and thanks and we thank you for each other. Amen.